Welcome, and thank you for viewing our weekly sermon. I'm Pastor Malone, and I pray this message be a blessing to you and help you grow closer to Jesus. If you'd like to know more about having a personal relationship with Jesus or to connect with us as a church, please visit westacres.org. Thanks again, and God bless. Thank you so much, Rob and Nate and Stephanie and the choir this morning. It's just an awesome feeling that uh, I haven't had in a long time to be able to sit down on this front pew and, and hear those songs, getting my heart and my life prepared and ready to come and stand here behind this sacred desk that God has blessed for many years and will continue blessing in the many, many years to come. So I'm thankful to be able to be here. Thank you for being here this morning. It is a privilege for me. I look so forward to being able to come and, and share God's Word with you. And and that's not always possible in situations like I'm in uh, because a pastor sometimes may not uh, invite the former pastor back as often as our wonderful pastor does. And I'm thankful for that, thankful to be invited back, thankful for Malone and, and uh, Kristen and just the, the, the love they have shown to me and to my family through a transition, all of us as we have made a transition, and God has certainly been in it and thankful for every step of it along the way. I hope you're ready here this morning. I, if you're not ready, I'm not sure quite how you're going to get ready after the songs and the worship that we've been able to have. Uh, I was getting ready this morning. Normally, whenever I would be in my office here and uh, just the time before the worship service, the time before coming out here, I'm usually standing up in my office and I'm going over the sermon. I'm preaching it uh, just to me, myself, and I and anybody else that hears it in the hallway or in the office uh, before I come out here. Uh, but this morning, I was uh, actually had the privilege to be in my bathroom, and I was standing there. I had my, my Bible and my iPad open there on the sink, my side of the sink. And as I had it open, and here comes my oldest grandson, and he comes up and wonders what I'm doing. He always asks me, what are you doing, Pop-Pop? Where are you going, Pop-Pop? Well, why do you have your hands behind your back, Pop-Pop? He's always asking all kinds of questions, but he started asking what I was doing. I said, I need your help. I need your help. So what happens in, this morning, I'm not supposed to get emotional <laughs> over this. I don't think I'm supposed to. But it's pretty a special moment for me because as I was going over my sermon and I said, Ace, I need your help. I said, sit here in the chair. We have a chair in, in the bathroom. And I said, I'm going to go over my sermon and you're going to be the people. You're going to be the church today, okay? And you just listen. And, and whenever I raise my hand like this, you say, amen. Whenever, you, whenever I raise my hand, you say, amen. So I'm going through, I went through the whole sermon, the whole message. I went through the message and I'd say something that was really good, right straight from the Word of God. And I'd go like this, he'd say, amen, amen. And then before I knew it, I was getting into it like this was my sermon that I was preaching to you all today because he was giving me an amen every time, every time. So that really worked in my bathroom this morning. 
So uh, what we're going to do today, whenever you see this hand go up, uh, you, that's for you to say an amen. Not, not really, but if, if you want to, you can anyway. Uh, but I, that to me was a real special time this morning, just getting ready and preparing for what God would have me to share with each of you on this Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, you know, started out as a, it, Palm Sunday was a great day. It was a celebration day. It was a Hosanna day. It was a day that all was going well, celebrating the life of Jesus, celebrating his entrance into Jerusalem. But we all know that as the week progressed, things changed quite, quite drastically along the way. But today, I'm going to take you to one verse of Scripture, one verse of Scripture in God's Word. I've looked at it many times over the years. But I'd never had Jesus to kind of share with me these words the way he did. This past week, I went over to Blanchard Woods Park, and I took all of my books and my iPad and my notepad and all that, and I, I just sat out in my truck the whole, this, that was my sermon prep time. I sat out in my truck and just listened to God share some things with me personally, and then in turn to share with you here this morning. So um, if you will take your Bibles, and I'm going to ask you to turn with me to, as I said, just one verse of Scripture, Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23, verse 26. Today, I'm going to preach on this subject, crossroads, crossroads, on this Palm Sunday as we prepare our heart for this week and what's coming. You know, Friday's a good day because Sunday's coming. Friday's a good day because Sunday's coming, and we're going to prepare our hearts and our lives getting ready for that even here today. So if you have your Bibles and you're there, would you uh, stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word? One verse of Scripture and how much power in this one verse of Scripture. Now, as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. Father, thank you this morning for the sweet spirit in this room. And Lord, thank you for the songs and the music and the voices that were lifted up this morning. I pray, Father, that you will use all that's already happened to prepare us for the here and now, that you would open our hearts and our lives to hear your word, and I pray that you will help me this morning, Father, to get out of the way, to get out of the way and let you have your way and your words will go forth, and we will hear from you, and Lord, when we leave here today, we'll know, just like every Sunday, Lord, in this room that we'll be able to say we have heard from the Lord today and to be able to thank you and to praise you before you even give us the remaining part of this worship service and message today that we'll go ahead and thank you for it because we know your word never, ever returns void. So, Father, would you speak to me and encourage me and help me, Father, to say the very things that you would have me to say. And I pray for the hearts and the lives, the ears, the people, whether it's, uh, Lord, through uh, live stream or whether it's those sitting in here today, that we will be on the edge of our seats because we know you have a word for us. And I pray that you will speak that to me first of all as we journey through this walk up Golgotha Hill 
to be able to see what took place. And Lord, teach us from your word the very things that we need for the rest of our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and be seated, if you will, please. Just a few things that I want us to clarify and be clear on before we go any further this morning. In that day, in that day when Jesus was crucified, understand that a, a criminal, a criminal was taken out of the judgment hall. There was a judgment hall there and the criminal would be placed there and would be taken from that judgment hall and was placed in the square of the city. Thought it was interesting, in the square of the city, they made four corners. And the four corners of the square of the city were made up of Roman soldiers. So there were four Roman soldiers on each corner, which was the place where they would bring the criminal. And it was surrounded there in those four corners by Roman soldiers. Also, as we think about what was taking place there, the criminal was marched to a place of crucifixion. But they were marked to a place of crucifixion not by the shortest route for them to be crucified, but they always took the longest route possible. It was always the longest route. It was a, a route of you, um, to, to humiliate them. It was a route to cause more pain and suffering to their lives, to their bodies. All of this was taking place with criminals during that time. A soldier would also march in front of the criminal. And the soldier would be there, and he would have a sign. And he would be sharing with everyone around what this criminal had done. What his crime was. Why he was being led to a place to be crucified. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in John chapter 19, verse 17. He says, and he, speaking of Jesus... And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. Golgotha. Now, look with me for a moment. Think about this again with me. The Romans, during this time, occupied Israel. And that's the key for us to be able to see here today, to see why things transpired the way they did. But the Romans occupied Israel. And in the midst of all that, they had a law that they could call any civilian. They could call him into service at any time, no matter what it was. No matter what it was. And normally he would be called into service by that soldier taking out his sword and placing it on the shoulder of a civilian. Of whoever was going to step in and take uh, the place of whomever it may have been. I thought it was interesting that our Lord alluded to this in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, and he said this. He says, And whoever compels you to go one mile, you go two miles. Whoever compels you to go one mile for you to be the witness that God wants you to be, you go another mile. In other words, here's a Roman soldier. He has a backpack on his back, and he's carrying that backpack, and he gets tired and weary. He takes his sword out, and he places it on the shoulder of someone nearby, and there to come, and he says, now you're to carry my pack for the next mile. 
and they carries that pack for the next mile. And whenever the soldier is going to take his pack back, he says, no, I'm going to carry it another mile for you. Another mile. Can you imagine the witness? And even Jesus, as he said those words, he said, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Whenever somebody asks this need, I need this to help me. Help them in that need, but don't stop there. Go the other mile. To be able to be the witness, the picture of Jesus Christ in your life. Well, Jesus, as we already know, is walking up the road to Golgotha. He's on his way to Golgotha. He has been scourged, and that is a key word for us to see here today. And we've heard the many stories about it. What, what Scripture says about his scourging. But he had been scourged. He had been beating, beaten. Many condemned men even died before they ever got to Golgotha or before they ever got to their cross. They died on the way because of the scourging they went through, because of the pain and suffering they went to. They never even made it to their cross cross. Think about the scourge with me here just for a moment. It was a large leather strap, a large leather strap and attached to the end of the straps was small metal balls and pieces of broken metal and glass and also bone added to that. And here's the thing that was interesting. They took this so seriously that they had someone trained they had an individual trained to scourge the criminal just up until the point they would die so that they would make it to the cross and end up and die a crucifixion death. Had someone just appointed to be able to do that. The key was that they would go through misery, pain, and suffering, but ultimately they would end up dying on the cross. So whenever they had beaten the condemned individual with the Roman scourge, the metal balls would bruise the back. And as it bruised the back, the jagged metal and the bone would act as teeth and would literally, the back of Jesus would literally rip the skin off of his body. That was what it was intended to do. And I believe according to what we know in believe and understand according to Scripture that it worked well according to the Roman standards. It accomplished pain and misery and sorrow. And even as we think about what took place in the life of Jesus Christ, and we'll not get into all of that, your imagination, you can imagine as much as you possibly can, and, and we will come short of understanding what Jesus Christ went through. But we have to remember that He was fully God, and he was fully man. That's a key. He was fully God and, and he was fully man. And, and, and as he walked up the road leading to Golgotha's hill, his body was depleted of energy. Even Jesus Christ, that fully man, he was depleted of energy. And blood was oozing from his body, from his back, from his injuries, from his, the pain and, and that had been administered to him. And he stumbles, the Bible says, and he falls under the weight of the cross. Scripture says, the Romans pressed into service this man, this man named Simon, and this man named Simon carried the cross of our Savior all the way to Golgotha, all the way to the top of the hill. Now, I believe this. 
I believe Simon is one of the most interesting, inspiring, and privileged people in all of God's Word. And we have one verse. Matter of fact, we have one verse in Matthew, one verse in Mark, and one verse in Luke. That's it, where you hear about this man. But he was one of the most privileged and honored men that we find in the Word of God. We have one verse of Scripture here, but if we dig a little bit below the surface, if we go a little bit below the surface, we'll find one out of this one Scripture, we'll find a treasure chest of truth. And that's what I want us to look at here today. Here are some observations this morning that I want to ask you to take home with you as you prepare this week, this, this Passion Week, this week leading up to Good Friday, which will lead up to Easter Resurrection Sunday. But I want you to make these observations with me in Scripture. First one is this. We have an absence to feel. We have an absence to feel. Notice his name again. Now, as they led him away... They laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian. He, Simon, was compelled. This was not a voluntary exercise. Simon's not even there on the side of the road in the midst of this mob saying, Oh, I hope they pick me. I hope they pick me to carry the cross of Jesus. No, he is compelled by the Roman soldier. No one was running up and saying, I will carry the cross. All those that had been healed, all of those that had been fed, those 5,000 that Jesus had fed and given them the, the ability to have their stomachs filled and that physical need met in their lives, those 12 disciples that Jesus had poured his life into. The Bible says when Jesus was arrested even in the garden he says they all forsook him and the Bible says they all fled they all forsook him and they fled this is the greatest moment I believe one of the greatest moments in the need of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and there was no single servant of Jesus Christ to step out of the crowd to step out of the crowd and say I will count it a privilege I will count it a blessing to be able to carry the load of the cross for my Lord and Savior no one where was the other Simon where, where was the other Simon during this particular time? Simon Peter. The Lord said this, upon this rock I will build my church. Simon Peter, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Simon Peter. Simon Peter once said these words, I will go with you to prison and I will even go with you to death. I love you that much. I believe not only during the time of Simon Peter and all others, but even times where we are here today, sometimes God's servants are missing in action. Sometimes we're missing in action and someone has to take their place. Someone takes their place. You say, I'm going to sit here today. I'm going to sit here in, God, in God's house hearing what I've heard and experience what I've experienced. I'm going to sit here like a knot on the log and I'm, going to, I'm not going to worship Him in spirit and truth. Do you think that just devastates God? It devastates God for your disobedience. But it's not devastate God and say, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Johnny or Betty, they're just going to not even worship me in spirit and truth. No, that's not the case. 
God may just call up, if that's the case in this room today, 50 or 60 more people who will worship Him in spirit and truth. You may even sit here today and say, well, I believe God's calling me to preach. I believe He's called me into ministry. But I don't think so. That doesn't fit into my schedule right now. Does that terrify God whenever you say, I don't think I'm going to do that? It disappoints Him because of disobedience. But God, it will call somebody else to take your place. He will call somebody else that will step up and proclaim and preach the Word of God. I, he says, I will raise someone else who will answer the call. Can I make a statement here that I pray you re- receive and get? Because I've been able to get it several times just preparing for this message. God is not at our mercy. He is not at our mercy. Where there's a need, God will make sure someone is there. He will make sure that someone is there, but I don't want to be the person that should have been there, that wasn't there. I don't want to be the one that that was supposed to be available, but I was unavailable because of my disobedience and my lack of trust and my lack of living a life according to God's plan. Peter was not there. Peter was not there. The disciples were not there. The people who had been healed and changed were not there. All of those folks that were touched by the power of God were nowhere to be found. Is that not a little disturbing even some 2,000 years later as we sit and listen through the Scripture and the teaching of the Word of God that in the midst of all the lives that have been touched and changed and had walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and praised with Jesus and lives that have been changed because of Jesus, there's no one to be found. No one to be found to say they will take that load off of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was an absence to feel. And there's an absence today to feel. So we must ask ourselves, will I be the one to feel the absence that's in my Christian walk in life today? Number two, there's an appointment to keep. There's an appointment to keep. Luke 23, 26. Now as they laid him away, led him away, They laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming, listen, from the country. He was coming from the country. Here's a man who came 800 miles away. Some say 600 miles away. But if we look at where Cyrene, where it was located in northern Africa, it was more like 800 miles away. Simon traveled. A man from North Africa who had the privilege of carrying the cross of Jesus Christ. Notice again, he comes 800 miles to the city of Jerusalem. Not to see Jesus crucified. Not intending to bear the cross of Christ. He was there to celebrate the Passover. He was very religious. To travel the miles that he traveled and the days that it took him to get there. To be able to celebrate the Passover. Life is not at the mercy of chance and fate. Life, according to the Bible, is filled with everyday divine appointments. What is your divine appointment today? 
What was your divine appointment yesterday that maybe you overlooked or you, you ignored? What is your divine appointment going to be tomorrow because you're more aware that there are divine appointments daily for the child of God to meet in life? Here's a man who is in the right place at the right time, and he was unknown. I think it's very important that this particular passage of Scripture and this from God's Word, it's important that he was unknown. It's not Peter. You would expect Peter or James or John to step out and say, let me carry the cross. I'll do it. But they weren't there. They even suggest or to even ask if they could carry it. It's a stranger from North Africa that no one knew. No one. He's there at the right time standing in the mob of people. And can you imagine the mob of people, the things that are going on and things that are being said and hurled from the mouths and the hearts of the people on both sides of the, the street. And suddenly he feels a touch of a Roman soldier of his sword on his shoulder. And he tells him, this is your time. You are to, to get involved and you're to carry Christ's cross the rest of the way. Now listen carefully, church. Every day, God is going to have people cross your path with a purpose. With a purpose. I found that out more now than ever. But with a purpose for you to place the gospel seed to encourage them. Every day, he's in the business of doing that. Also, Christian people will cross your path to encourage them with what you have been encouraged by. See, God is going to put you in their path exactly at the right time and exactly at the right place if we will just have willing hearts to be used by God. See, every day is an adventure. Every day is an adventure serving Jesus Christ. So we have to be ready. That's a great thing about coming Sunday after Sunday and worshiping and spending time with other believers. It helps us to be prepared to be ready that God can use us and great things can come out of a heart of obedience. Number three, notice with me today. We have an assignment to accept. We have an assignment to accept. Listen in our scripture. It says, and on him, on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. This was Simon's assignment. He didn't realize that he was traveling some 800 miles for his assignment to be to bear the cross of Jesus. Many times you may not travel 800 miles. You may on a mission trip or something, but you may not have to travel but a mile or less down the road in the grocery store. That You may be thinking you're going to buy groceries just like Simon thought he was going to celebrate the Passover, but God had a totally different plan for him. God had a different plan for his life because he was in the right place at the right time. And see, the Lord is still calling people with the same task this morning. He really is. He's still calling us day in and day out. He's calling each of us to bear the cross of Jesus. To bear the cross of Jesus in this day and time. This morning, to bear the cross of Jesus. Now, sometimes people talk about the cross they have to bear, and quite often, it's really not a cross at all. I've heard this, you've heard this, you may have said it, and I've probably said it over the years. 
But think about a, a husband. Husband, you've got a cantankerous wife. You go to Hardy's on Monday morning. You get your coffee. You sit around the Hardy's table and you're talking and you, before you know it, you've, you've said some things. Boy, this weekend has been a tough weekend. My wife did this and my wife didn't do that and my wife this and my wife that. And I just believe that my wife is the cross that God gave me to bear. <laughs> now, wife... You may be around the table with the ladies on Wednesday afternoon and all of a sudden you bring up about your husband and, and your husband is, he's cantankerous and he doesn't do what he says he'll do. He makes a lot of promises, but he doesn't seem to carry them out. He does all of those things, but he's there and, he, and he's at home, and, but he doesn't do a whole lot. And you're saying to those ladies, I believe, I believe that my husband was given to me to be the cross for me to bear. You may be driving to work tomorrow, especially tomorrow. Maybe you get in master's traffic. And as you're in master's traffic, you begin to think, oh no, I'm going to be late for work. I'm going to be late for work. Or maybe you get in an accident and you're thinking, oh no, I'm going to be late for work. And all along you're saying, this must be today the cross that I'm to bear. You're in the line at the grocery store and you're wondering how long is it going to take me to get checked out? And you get ready to check out and someone doesn't have a price and they have to call the price checkers and they have to come and go price the, 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 the item that has no price. And, and you're thinking to yourself, I understand what it is to bear a cross. This is my cross today. This is my cross that I'm having to bear and carry today. Now, can I tell you this? The little, and they are, the little annoyances of everyday life, the little inconveniences of everyday life, those are not crosses. Don't define them as crosses because if you do, you're misdefining them. They are not crosses at all. So we have to stop complaining and groaning about everyday annoyances and inconveniences in life. You know why? Because that's, say it with me, just life. That's just life. That's how it's going to be. You're going to have some inconveniences and annoyances tomorrow. I don't know what they're going to be, but you're going to have them. That's just life. I heard someone say this, and I share it with you. He says, if we start shining instead of whining, if we start shouting instead of pouting, if we start being glad instead of being mad, he says, if you start rejoicing and always rejoicing, I say rejoice, praising the Lord in Jesus' name, in the midst of the storm that's all around you, you'll be able to understand what is an annoyance and what is a cross. That Christ has given us to bear. So what does it mean to bear the cross of Jesus? That was a question that came to me. It says we're to bear the cross of Jesus. But yet there's so many things that we define as bearing the cross of Jesus. That's, that's not defined properly. So what is it? Let me give you just a few quickly. First of all, I believe bearing the cross. Number one, most importantly, means you receive Christ. I believe part of bearing the cross of Jesus Christ. Is when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can never bear the cross of Christ if you're a non-believer. 
You can never, you, you, you can't do that. You have to receive Christ in your life. When you receive Him, we become children of God. And listen to this, the, cry, the cross will never, never captivate you until it converts you. It will not captivate you completely and totally where it has control of your life until you've been converted. Until you know Jesus in your heart and your life. Laying our sins at the cross. Sin separates us from a holy God. At the cross, we are forgiven. At the cross, Jesus changes us. Amen? 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 Number two, I believe bearing the cross of Jesus means that we confess Christ. Not only do we receive Christ, but we confess Christ. We have to go public. Oh, heaven forbid, everybody else is going public these days. Everywhere you look, people are going public. On TV, in churches, in communities, in the White House, in the schoolhouse, on the playground. It doesn't matter where it is. Everybody's going going public. And I'm telling you what, for me, it's like people that go public, they say this, I'm going to go public with this because I want to be as weird as I possibly can be. I want this to be the weirdest, most strange thing that could ever possibly be. Those are the things people are going public with. Because whenever we see they're going public with this, we're thinking, wow, where did that come from? It seems as if so many people every single day are going public with something. And I believe, as I know you believe, I think it's time that it's the redeemed of the Lord say so. I think it's time for us to go public. I think it's time for us to go public with the only thing that makes sense. The only thing that changes lives. The only thing that can redeem us and make a poor boy that is no good for nothing to be rich and genuine and have life and purpose. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What did Moses say when he came down off the mountain and the people have gone crazy without a worship? Well, what did he say? He says, those of you who know the Lord, serve the Lord, love the Lord, get over here with me. You come over here on this side with me right now. You're not about this game of playing idol worship and games, but you're going to come over here and you're going to be with me. And I love what Joshua said. He looks out at the children of Israel. He knows how picky they are. And he says this. He says, I can't. I cannot speak for the rest of you, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. It's time the redeemed of the Lord say that for me and my house, I'm going to tell you, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to love those crazy, weird things that are, we're not going to love those crazy, weird things that are going on out there, but we're going to love those people. We're going to love those people and care for those people in the way God would have us to care for them. Jesus called his disciples publicly. He called them publicly. Jesus Christ died publicly. He could have made it a secret event that we could have just read about, that it took place behind curtains that were closed. But He died publicly. And it's time for believers, for you and I, to confess, I am a Christian. 
I'm a Christian. I believe Christ lives in me. I confess I'm going to heaven. Why? How? Because I believe in what Jesus did for me on the cross. That He died for me. That He gave His life for me. It's time to confess. It's time to receive. That's a part of bearing the cross. And it's time to confess. That's part of bearing the cross of Jesus Christ. And thirdly here we see, I believe bearing the cross of Jesus means declaring Christ. Declaring Christ. We need to preach the truth. Thankful, I'm so thankful we have a pastor here that preaches the truth. Preaches the Word of God. The infallible true Word of God. That doesn't happen everywhere. I've, my time away from here, I've listened to a lot of other churches and a lot of other pastors. And even more, whenever I hear them, I'm thankful to God for West Acres and our pastor. Because God's hand of anointing is on us. But not just the preacher, but each of us, we are to preach the truth. And you say, well, that's kind of boring sometimes whenever we just preach the truth. Well, then God's Word would say, as I'm going to say that the God, God's Word says, that you then need to get saved. You need Jesus in your heart and your life. If preaching the truth of the Word of God is boring and, and not appealing and, 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 and not a magnet that draws you even closer to Him, there's some reason for that. And that reason is the absence of a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to declare the truth. We need to declare as we're going to this week, but every week declare the death, declare the burial, and declare the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe there's another way that we bear the cross of Jesus and it is by following Christ following Christ I think we've used that word in many many ways it never has reached what it means what it meant originally whenever Christ said that we're to be Christ followers there to we we're to be Christians it means an awful lot but I'm gonna tell you a disciple of Christ simply means this that you are a follower of Christ and you follow him when you understand, and you follow him when you like it, and you follow him when everything's going great and wonderful. You follow him when you don't like it. You follow him when you don't understand. You follow him when you're scared and, and, and a little weak and weary through the midst of it. You follow Jesus Christ. It's ongoing. That is a follower of Christ. Dead to sin, but alive in Christ. I love one of my favorite verses in Scripture, always has been, is Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. No longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. He's gotten rid of me and had been replaced with Him. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, as a Christian, I don't have to have my own way. I don't have to have my own way. <clears throat> there was a great Christian who ignited a missionary movement in a totally different generation. He had this saying, and I think this is so powerful and one that we probably need to keep close to our hearts every day. He said these words, In the heart of every Christian, there are two things. In the heart of every Christian, there are two things. There's a throne and there's a cross. There's a throne and a cross. And he says to live in victory, we have to keep self by faith on the cross. 
We have to keep self by faith on the cross and Jesus Christ continually on the throne. And if we can do that, if we can keep self on the cross, dying to self so that life in Christ lives in us and remembers that, the, that God, the king of the universe and the king of our heart, soul, mind and body, everything is on the throne. He hasn't been dethroned in my life. He's not going to be dethroned in my life. I'm going to remind myself daily that Jesus is on the throne. So where is Jesus' position in your heart today? Is he on the throne? Maybe you put yourself on the throne and you've forgotten that Jesus is no longer on the cross. That he went to the cross to die to forgive our sins and to set us free. Let me give you the final point here this morning. Number four. There is an acquaintance to make. There's an acquaintance to make. I love this part. Yes, I use my imagination a little bit. No, don't turn me off whenever I say imagination that I'm going to share something with you that's not in God's Word. I believe it is very clearly stated in the Word of God. Simon meets Jesus at this time in an up-close and personal manner. Remember, he did not come for this. He did not come to carry the cross. He did not come to see Jesus crucified. That was not his intent, nor was it his purpose. He didn't know Jesus when he left North Africa. He didn't know him personally. He didn't know him. I'm sure he had heard about him, but he did not know him. He didn't know Jesus even when he arrived in Jerusalem. After those nearly 800 miles of travel, when he got to Jerusalem, he still did not know Jesus. But I believe whenever he left Golgotha that day, having seen Jesus crucified, I believe he came to know Christ in a personal way. Do you remember, do you remember when you came to know Christ in a personal way? When you were away from him and then God came into your heart in your life and you got to know him in a personal way Luke 23 26 and I want you to look at two words with me and we'll close with this today and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it here's the two words after Jesus after Jesus I've never really thought of this very much in my life in my ministry in my Christian walk as he follows Jesus, carrying the cross of Jesus, he's looking at his back. He's, he's carrying that cross that's blood-stained already. Sweat, blood. I'm sure Simon, even the moment he took that cross from Jesus, picked it up off the ground. If Jesus had had to fall over and it fell on the ground, he picked it up. And his, he has the blood of Jesus on his shoulder. And he's carrying that cross. And then I was reminded of the scripture that says, by his stripes we are healed. Could it have been that Simon, as he is carrying that, and he's looking at those stripes, he's looking at the blood, he's looking at the skin that's hanging off the back of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's thinking, by his, Jesus' stripes, I am healed. He sees that massive crowd that's throwing hate after hate after hate onto Jesus Christ. And what does he see? He sees the love of Jesus personified. He sees the love of Jesus all along. He goes with him all the way to the top of this hill. 
He sees what's going on. He sees the blood stains and the dirt as He's walking up. He sees them nail Jesus to the cross. His hands, His feet. He sees them put this sign upon above that cross identifying who He is. The King of Nazareth. The, as, as His place there and as Jesus is on the cross, He says, His Father, forgive them. The last thing Simon probably thought Jesus would ever say, He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They know not what they're doing to me right now. He sees all of that. He sees his side pierced and the water and blood flow. He sees the Jesus as he's getting ready to die and commit his spirit to his heavenly Father. He feels the ground shake. He hears the noise of great thunder. He sees all of that taking place as he is carrying this cross of Jesus up Golgotha heal. He's experienced it all. And somewhere along the way, I believe Simon was changed. I believe he was changed in the cross, dear people. The cross has the power to change us. The cross changes people. And notice this, and I'll finish with this. Mark 15, 21. This is Mark, the gospel of Mark. His words and account of Simon, a Cyrenian, then they compelled a certain man. Didn't volunteer, but they made him carry the cross. Simon, a Cyrenian, listen, the father of Alexander and Rufus, and he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. To bear his cross. I believe this man took the gospel everywhere he went. You know what they tell us? What history tells us about Alexander and Rufus, his sons? That they became missionaries. They were missionaries spreading the good news around the world, around the region that they lived in beyond. Simon was a man without Christ. But now he knows Christ in his heart and his life. His family got saved. Friends got saved around him because he had an up personal and close encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Many came to know the Lord through the experience with Christ. Simon came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And he ended up meeting the Passover lamb. You may have just come today on Palm Sunday to come to church. Just to come to hear a sermon and to hear some great songs and music. But while you've been here through the Holy Spirit of God and the wooing and ooing on your heart and life, God can lead you to meet Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. It's a life-changing experience when that happens. And it can even happen here today.